It's time for the Economic Warrior. My money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's the rich man's world. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or board of trustees. And good afternoon or good morning or wherever you're listening in the the country. Uh, My name is Barry James Dyke and uh, listen to Economic Warrior Show. And I have a special guest here today, my son, William Dyke. Uh, Can you hear me well? Yes. Yes, you can. Okay. And I got my handsome engineer, uh, uh, Bill Kleiger here. and uh, me. And my sidekick, Will number two. We have two Wills. Will Pierce. Two Wills, no waiting. (laughs) Two Wills, no waiting. Hey, by the way, did anyone see the... uh, Trump's State of the Union last night? I didn't. Did you see it, Will? No, I didn't. I, I saw him when he s- spoke at the um, dealership here in uh, Portsmouth. Okay, you did? Yeah, so I got to see him in, in person. How about you, Handsome Phil? Did you hear uh, I have no need to hear him talk. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he says is all beep. <laughs> so anyhow, so we, uh, so, so we have a uh, uh, my son here, which I honor, he li- who lives in Beijing, China. And how long have you been down there now, Will? Yeah, I've lived in Beijing for five and a half years, about. Yeah. Yeah. Since the summer of 2013. But you get back here at least once a year, right? Yeah, I try to make it back once a year. Yeah. And uh, how? what was it like when you first got there? I mean, it's pretty gutsy. I'm very proud of you, son. But what was it like when you just got there? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about Beijing and, and China in general is that it's very, very different. Uh, from the U.S. And when I first arrived, it was really, it just felt like a bad idea, uh, if that's a good description. Uh, it was really, um, everything is different. And, you know, the city's changed a lot in the past five years. Uh, but in that first year, uh, it was very polluted, actually. So 2013 was really a a seriously polluted year um so for a lot of people that uh have been in china for a while they'll know that like 2011 2012 2013 was just a very very polluted year years um and so so that was just obviously being from new hampshire uh the skies are the the skies are normally pretty open and the air is very clean um so just dealing with the pollution was was difficult and then obviously the amount of people uh, as well, I think there's like 23 million. Uh, it depends on how you count it in, in Beijing. Beijing. Yeah, 23 million. Yeah. So, Shanghai is supposed to be bigger, but um, I think it depends more on how you count it. So, yeah. So just the amount of people and the pollution was how did, how startling. Did they, how did they get rid of the pollution, or how did they attenuate it? Um, so it definitely has gotten better over the past couple of years. I, th- I think 2013 was awful. 2014 was pretty bad. Uh, 2015, 2016, 2016, it started to get, it's, it's been getting better. Um, and I think the reason is because basically the government wants, uh, the city to be cleaner. Uh, that's the main, I mean, the government wants it to, because, uh, Beijing is like the, the capital, right? So it's kind of the crown jewel of, uh, of the CCP. So they, they really have a lot of, uh, stake in making Beijing, cle- you know, look presentable. So they, they've made a lot of initiatives to uh, to stop factories, maybe kind of re- basically move factories out of the city, uh, encourage people to use more uh, clean energy, reduce coal emissions, stuff like that. But, yeah. That's pretty quick. It took uh, California a long time, decades. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I remember years ago in L.A. isn't like that. It used to be all the smog. Remember the L.A. smog? Yeah, you people would drive around with their car, car headlights on during the day. Before it was required when you had to have uh, daytime running lights. Yeah, yeah it was a very polluted there. Yes. I, I saw the 4th of July there, and these fireworks would go up and create a cloud of smoke. It's a very still mm. air. 
And uh, after just like four or five fireworks, there'd be this cloud up there, and it wouldn't move, and you couldn't see the other fireworks because it'd be exploding. And yeah, I think that's the other in, important in the thing to, to mention too is that is that uh, the the car the car ownership in China is going up more and more. So more and more people are driving cars, mm. which is a massive contributor uh, to like the pollution in the city. So. So yeah, you know, I remember when I was when I visited you there. You had electric scooter. You still have an electric scooter? I or? do have an electric scooter. Yeah, <laughs> Which, are doing are your part, sir. Yeah. Doing your part. Yeah, right yeah. yeah. Are the cars smaller? Uh no, no. I mean, I think they're pretty much the the same as a car we would have here. They really like Buicks. Yeah, they really like Buicks. Um, Good. Yeah. So. I'd rather have a Buick, I guess. Yeah. They don't have SUVs, so. So, so what was it like? What was your, what was you know, because I'm proud of you. And uh, do Americans, do you think have um, have any idea how businesses really run in in, in China? I, I uh, maybe superficially, yeah. Like, like we have the idea that, you know, everyone, like, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people might know that it's different. Yeah. Right. You know, that's that's pretty. Yeah. In what ways is it different, Will? Um. I think that, I guess there's like a few different ways you could look at it. I think the the first probably thing to note is that the rule of law isn't as strong in China. So uh, people don't have this idea that they can go to the courts. Like if they go to the courts, then they know uh, who's going to win. It's basically the person who has some sort of connection. Uh, so just the fact that there's like a different legal structure means that uh, there's less trust in the system. Okay. So so there's that, uh, which kind of leads into the fact that yeah, I mean it's all about your relationships with people. Uh, in, in Chinese, it's called guanxi, uh, which is uh, it means your relationship basically, and it, it's a it's a very important word because uh, in Chinese society and then also in business, uh, everything runs through relationships. So yeah. they they definitely um, they. If you want to sort of make a deal with someone, if you want to have a good relationship with someone, uh, it, it's much more about those sorts of personal connections, I think, than here in America where things tend to be a bit more transactional. Yeah, so it's more – or we used to be kind of egalitarian, but it's so it's more like relationship-based there. In other words, it's just uh, – uh, you're likely to run a business, if you will, if you have the great contacts versus um, pure performance, if you will. Right, uh, because in order to sort of be successful, you need you need cooperation uh, from a lot of different parties, and um, notwithstanding, uh, you know, the most important person, uh, the most important relationships you can have is w- with people in the government, probably. Uh, so, so, so yeah, so there's that aspect. And then also, obviously, if, if you're doing some sort of sales or, uh, your, your relationship with that person is, uh, equally important. Yeah, I guess. So, so Will, with, with a weak, uh, court system, uh, mm-hmm. how is a copyright, uh, enforced oh. there? <laughs> <or> <laughs> trans- fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big part of my job. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it, it has been getting stronger, uh, in, in the past couple of years, like the government has been pushing uh, for a stricter copyright. Uh, but I mean, that's a classic problem with China is that um, there is no copyright enforcement, really. Um, but it seems like there 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 has been a few like sort of um, evolutions of, of that in China. And it's becoming more and more important uh, to have patents and to have the co- the rights to use copyrighted work. Um, so, so do, do, they, do they have a patent office there? They do have a, yeah. So they, they, they have a patent office like there. formally they have all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they do have, uh, they, you know, you have a place that you would go to, to file a patent and, um, so, so they have it. The question always is, I think maybe with any country, uh, cause I think obviously oftentimes people see China and they think, oh, everything's different in China. And, well, yes and no. I mean, it, everything is different but still they do have systems they have a legal they do have a legal system it's not like they don't have uh these sorts of things they do have a a place where you would go and file a patent um now the question is how strong is that compared to the u.s where um you can really get sort of uh i guess remuneration might be the word but yeah Yeah. 
Yeah, so you started maybe te- teaching English as a second right. uh, language uh, to kids primarily, am yeah. I correct? And then Kids and teens. Yeah. Uh, to teens, okay, you know. And then you parlayed that into uh, and so then you I say business development i mean but yeah. it was a very different yeah it was a different jack of all trades yes yeah. a jack of all trades and then you went to work with uh with um rise with uh that was the company i was with rise. yeah there was yeah. rise and actually yeah. that was a that was a bain capital company am i correct bain capital portfolio company which i believe they have exited yeah, yeah so actually, yes because they, they, they ipo'd yeah they ipo'd so they yeah you, did you make any money will <laughs> i did not make any money yeah. no but uh, <laughs> so, so it's still uh, it hasn't gone bankrupt. Uh, no, no, they ha- they're still no. there. Yeah, from what I know, they're still there. Yeah, yeah. But, so Bain Capital is us. So they were exit strategy, but uh, so uh, and I, I think they're listed on the New York Stock Exchange now. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, they yeah, are. They, yeah, because they IPO'd. Yeah. So, um, so, so what are they? I mean, when I going to China is like going to the Grand Canyon. You don't believe it until you see it, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it really is. I mean, yeah. um, there's the building is there. Is this matter of fact? I had a uh, new client in my office this morning. And we, we talk about the the technology and stuff like that. Remember, we went to that bullet chain from Beijing to Shanghai. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how are they? Uh, how is the Chinese embracing technology? I mean, they seem to be pretty uh, big uh, player. I mean, with you know, uh, how are they embracing this stuff? Will yeah, I mean, uh, it's true they are embracing it, and <laughs> they're embracing it in a very, uh, um, I guess, maybe intelligent way, depending on who you ask. Uh, they see technology as a core component of their strategy for uh, becoming a, you know, a, a, a much larger player um, on the world stage. Uh, but I mean, I think for them, one one thing maybe to say about that is like if you look at uh, China, most of the people that that run the country uh, have STEM degrees. Uh, so With STEM degrees? Uh, yeah. Science, technology, engineering, okay, okay, and, okay. And mathematics maybe is them. Uh, they, so they, I mean, they, they see technology in the sciences as um, like vitally important. They, yeah. That's the way we used to be. You know, well, we have lawyers. <laughs> yeah, so we have lawyers. We, yeah, used, we have lawyers. We have lawyers now and financiers. Yeah. Uh, so, well, so they're doing it right. So that's the way. You know, we were essentially built on engineering, you know, and science and technology and building stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so what's it like for a uh, company trying to enter the Chinese market? Uh, an an international company. Yeah. Ooh, uh, hard and difficult, and you're probably likely to fail. Yeah, because <laughs> I think yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's very, the, the, the cards are stacked against you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of, I don't know if you guys want to talk about the trade stuff that's yeah. going on, but, uh, yeah, um, that's why that's happened. It's because it is so difficult, uh, and it, it's very unfair in a lot of different ways, at least the way I see it. And this is my just my opinion. There's many opinion. people that live in China. Uh, but the... For a foreign company to enter China, you have to be able to localize and you have to be able to, you have to have a lot of money too because it's just a lot of startup costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do they still put uh, restrictions on um, and, uh, people investing their money overseas in China? On the Chinese? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure specifically, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely very tight about how the government really wants to control money flowing out uh, and into you know, the U.S., for example, but other places, too. So they, they're definitely very concerned about that. How are these partnerships going between American companies and uh, Chinese companies? Mm, in, what, in which sense? Like, Well, <clears throat> I've just heard if you want to uh, operate your company in China, they have to own, like, 51% of it. Oh, like how it's set up? Yeah. yeah. And uh, how, how, how will those work? And, uh, and then they uh, take – President Trump complains about them uh, – Right, I'm not. Up our technology. Yeah, I'm not an expert on setting up companies in China because it is a very kind of complicated thing. But I think there's like a few different ways you could structure it. I think you could do um, a a a joint venture. A J, a, I think it's JVS or something like that. And and basically, if you do that, um, you you still control the company, uh, but that's really hard to do and requires a lot of capital. Um, I so. So there's that, and then there's also you could partner with someone locally, 
and then they maybe the local partner would have the the company or the rights for the company in China. Um, specifically, like who has the controlling shares? I'm not 100 percent sure how how that works. I think but, they limit it to like uh, you know, I think U.S. ventures if they go in the, or another company like Germany, whatever they limit it to like 49 percent or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they so the Chinese would always have a control of it. So, so the Chinese con- economy is just about as big as the United States, but they have three times as many people. Is is there still a lot of poverty there? Or, <laughs> right, and, and how is the, uh, <laughs> the, the the gap between the wealthy um, and uh, yeah? I mean, I I would I would say uh, there is, you know, there's always. There, I mean, it's still a developing country, right? It's not it's not where the U.S. is. So there's a lot of people who still need to be brought up out of poverty. Um, one of uh, pre- uh, President Xi's uh, like policy objectives is to uh, reduce global poverty, but obviously he's also focused on uh, the Chinese, the, the China. So um, there is a lot of people who are still, I, I'm not sure how you would classify it, but uh, th- there are a lot of people who don't make that much money. Um, so that's still, and that was obviously China's, advantage to becoming a, a factory uh, for the world is because they had such cheap cheap labor um, and that still does exist to some extent but the government is trying to uh, move away from that more and more so yeah so yeah I want an example their labor is very very cheap over there so but getting more expensive yeah more expensive getting more expensive but so what what I kind of notice is who's the uh, company oh, is it that does home delivery Meituan Meituan okay okay yeah. which you know, Fidelity uh, Investments has invested a lot of money in, in that. Okay, for our U.S. Uh, uh, money, but they do they deliver all the foods like at twenty four seven, right? And that ties into the the technology piece as well because yeah, I mean that's an app which basically I I believe it's uh, a it, it's described as a life service uh, application. So, but what what Meituan does is they uh, they deliver. Yeah, I mean th- their main business model is food delivery. Yeah, so you can go onto the app and you can uh, order food to your apartment. Okay, now have you yeah. used it, hun? Of course. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. so so you can get it like if you want French food or you can. You know, that's amazing. Well, that's not yeah. It's, no, French yeah, food, yeah, but, yeah. You, but you get Chinese food. <laughs> a or, lot of Chinese, yeah. So Chinese food. I mean, whatever is in China, but I mean, obviously the the Western options aren't as much. Um, and the and the great thing about Meituan and and also they have a competitor in Ulama. Which is a Baidu, uh, the Baidu backed. And they're big, yeah. The Google yeah, of so China, right? So you get sort of these big internet companies competing, uh, and, and Ulama and Meituan are the two main ones. Um, but the the great thing about it for the past couple of years is that it's been subsidized. So if I were to, and most meals I order, uh, a significant amount is taken off, uh, just because they're trying to, you know, they're competing for market share. It, which is interesting because th- you know in the U.S. we try to do the same thing with different um, right food delivery services and and there's another the, but a lot of them have gone into liquidation or even some of them even to bankruptcy because they, they we don't have the cheap labor costs that they do uh, and there was one just uh, last week I wish I, I didn't have the time to prepare the notes but so one of their primary advantages is low labor would you agree I mean because I don't think you could. You could do this stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, definitely, like for China, they wouldn't have been able to. They they wouldn't have come as far as if they, if they didn't have that low labor cost. Uh, and still to this day, uh, you know that that does help them because um, you wouldn't. I don't think in America you could you could run the same type of business because people aren't people can't live on on the wages that they that they uh, economically would need to pay to make that viable. Yeah, well, a lot of them have failed. Is life cheap there? I mean, is uh, not life cheap? Is a uh, is living cost of, cost living. of living cheap? Um, I think yes. Uh, if you were to compare Beijing with New York City, I, I guess you would say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I definitely, you know, it's it's. I, I wouldn't say cheap. I would say, um, there's more opportunity to kind of like make things work. Uh, whereas in America, I feel some of the uh, some of the costs here. I mean, like going out to eat in China, it's very it's very affordable. It's very affordable. You don't have to worry about going out to eat. Like how many times you go out as a Westerner, uh, because a Westerner will make 
uh, a higher salary than a local typically. Um, so there's that uh, transportation. They've built out their entire cities with, I don't own a car. I don't plan on owning a car. Uh, granted, I would lo- I love cars, so I would love to have a car there. But yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, you don't need one. I, I use my electric scooter. Uh, real estate and, 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 the, and the housing market is, that's tricky. It is, it's about, it's, I think it's comparable uh, to a, a, a U.S. city. Uh, obviously, I think Manhattan's probably more expensive, but yeah, uh, it's probably one of the most expensive places in the world. So, but but Beijing and Shanghai, uh, and those are like the, the top of the top. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you pay about a thousand, fifteen hundred, you know, for a, just a very regular studio a month. Yeah, so, so USD. Like yeah. like price price around here actually. Yeah, yeah. If you get a studio around here, I don't know. Uh, Nine hundred, maybe. I know. I mean, you're more in this the uh, the this business mm-hmm. world. Yeah, enforcement that might be eight hundred, nine hundred. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Um, so, so, so wh- but the advantage of that is you're in a major metropolitan city in China, mm-hmm. right? So. so. So when you uh, first got there, you, you went alone, right? I guess. I went alone. Yeah. And how did you uh, set up your social network? I mean, how did you make friends and and so forth? Well, and I was, was that easy. Or? I, I I guess I wouldn't say I went alone because I was lucky. I went with a company that had like a big pool of teachers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us were new to China and we would go out and, and kind of experience the city together as newcomers. So you kind of made friends like within your teaching pool. Uh, we had like 25 people in the first group. So that's kind of was like the original social network for me in Beijing. Uh, and then obviously you, you kind of link up with other expats but uh for for foreigners in in beijing uh and i'll just speak about beijing but i mean i think it's true in most other cities uh in china it's like it's a very small group of people that actually stay for a long time so yeah you kind of end up meeting everyone through like different sorts of events and so did you make friends with the locals uh yeah absolutely um that takes a longer longer time though because you just have to like in my first year, no, I wouldn't. No, not not really. Not not like a real friendship. Um, it took me some time to develop a better understanding of how they s- see the world. Yeah. How how are you accepted as a foreigner? I mean, you know, stranger in a right. strange land. Um, uh, how do they how do they view Americans? Are we uh, we imperialists, or I mean, we just—I uh, think they probably admire us because yeah. we get well, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So, how do the, how do the Chinese feel about us? I mean, because I remember when I was over there, everyone wanted to take my picture and your picture, and because right, we, we knew. Yeah, how do how do they feel about us in general? So, I think one thing important to to keep in mind about China is that it is, I think, the 1.4 billion people, something like that. So there are like you know, multiple layers of society and, and different groups of population. The people that were taking our pictures uh, were from, not from Beijing, right? Okay. Be- a Beijinger would not take your picture. Okay. Beijinger's so if, you, not, yeah. if you're like a one in a million type of guy, there are 15 right. other people exactly like you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's funny. Yeah. So how, but how do they feel about us? I, I know that we uh, right. So so I'm just prefacing uh, my answer with with that is that China is a very comp- complicated like there's multiple layers. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know the 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 people from the provinces will take your picture and they'll be very just excited to see a foreigner. I remember when my my brother came to visit. Uh, okay. He <laughs> there was a guy selling <laughs> dumplings and and took a picture with him and he thought it was uh, my my brother thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Um, but people, so, okay, so there's that, but maybe the more educated, uh, cosmopolitan, you know, in the bigger cities, uh, they have a more nuanced view of Americans. I think, uh, they, there is less and less respect for America. Definitely. Yeah. 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 There's less and less. And, and if you really want to get specific, I think 2008, the financial cri- the financial crisis of 2008 was the tipping point. Because before, in the 90s and the 80s, from what I know, if you were to go to China, people would say, oh, my God, you're American. Like, you're so brilliant. What can I learn from you if you're just any normal person? Uh, and, and they kind of believe that. Even the top elites believe that. Really? Okay. Yeah. But when 2008 happened, uh, they saw America and they said, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't 
maybe maybe you know they don't have it all so figured out. Well, I would I kind of agree with the Chinese. <laughs> right. I mean, and I think yeah. You know, it's just because what we're seeing now is just you know, uh, we're, we're we're approaching the longest one of the longest bull runs in history, whatever. And um, and the thing is, is the conditions which were leading up to prior to 2007, 2000, just the same. And actually, they're worse. Well, like in um, uh, one thing, Will is uh, uh, seeing you're a student and you're. Uh, would, do they have debt? Like, I mean, we have like our students here in America. Are indentured ser- uh, you servants. You talking about the educational system? Yeah, my, my right. yeah, yeah. It's because like America was the, the college that went from five hundred billion in two thousand seven when Obama or two thousand eight. Now it's up to one point six two trillion because we had uh, uh, we had Mike McKinnon on last week from Chicago, remember? And uh, so, the, I mean, how do the Chinese feel about the, all this? I mean, are Chinese <laughs> indebted like we are? On this? Well, let's just take a like a general stance about. Uh, Chinese is that they hate debt. I think, yeah, I think that's they 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 do not like debt, uh, and they're they're savers, right? So just generally speaking, we can we can describe them as savers. Uh, I I don't know specifically how they feel about the U.S. loan situation. Yeah, they but, probably know much. But more. but I would imagine they wouldn't really they 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 wouldn't support it so much. Um, for just from the sense that they're 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 traditionally savers. Yeah. Well, they used to have a uh, cradle to grave uh, socialist uh, support system, so they didn't have to save so much. I don't right. think. But uh, what's their? Um, I mean, it's still a communist country. Uh, has has the Communist Party pulled back on its services that it provides uh, people, like an old age and s- pensions and things like that? I mean, I th- there there is a pension and 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 there is health care. Um, but yeah, if you go to a Chinese hospital and you go to an American hospital, like, uh, you're gonna prefer the latter. Uh, the they provide services, uh, they do, um, but it's really a place where you want to have money because uh, if you're just kind of your average Joe, that's kind of your average Joe. Uh, you know, you can have these things, but uh, you know, if you want to see a good doctor, you need to pay the doctor. You need to have guanxi with the doctor. You need to have this relationship. What do you call it, guanxi? Yeah, you need to have. You need to know someone. So, th- so there's all these sorts of. Do, uh, do you pay the the doctor extra? Yeah, well, in some sort of way, you have to. Uh, to, to I mean, it's pretty common knowledge. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to um, uh, get get the proper health care, get these sorts of things, you need to know people. You need to. Uh, you need to be able to afford it. You need to be in the right province. All the best hospitals, for example, are in Beijing um, or Shanghai or some of these other cities. Uh, so, so there's that challenge. So, if if I'm outside of Beijing and I'm in a smaller province, and by the way, a province is like a state, okay, more or less. Uh, if I'm in a in a in a poorer province, um, I'm not going to get the same healthcare that I would in Beijing. Uh, so, I would need to travel to Beijing, and then I would need to queue. And, and to see the famous doctors. So it, it, you want to see a famous doctor. Hmm. Uh, so th- th- there's that sort of culture. Um, you need to get in line, and then you need to wait. And, and a lot of people don't have the time uh, to, to queue up all day for these doctors. Um, so, so, I mean, the healthcare is, is decent. It, it, it's not a, 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 debt, a, a burden financially, um, but it's not... Um, as as quality as America, American healthcare is much higher but they, quality. But, but they don't have to like uh, like I uh, you know uh, a family plan around here in the seacoast of New Hampshire or New York or anywhere. It's just like if it's a family plan now. It's uh, well, you have a family plan, Will. So whatever, I don't know. It could be easily cost twenty two, twenty three hundred dollars. It's more than a, a almost a mortgage payment. Right? Yeah, they don't have that. No, they don't have that. Well, that's a good thing, you know. So, I think we spend more per capita, but uh, uh, so that that's kind of a plus, you know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think the doctors. May, I don't think it's like an industry there, like medi- medical care. Mm-hmm. Actually, medical care is like a lot of American companies. One of the biggest hospitals in Beijing is, uh, or, or for foreigners at least, is Beijing United, uh, and that was started by a a lady out of New York City. Uh, and, a, and a, so there's a lot of Americans going into China and trying to start sort of medical care companies uh, because there is that big gap between 
you know, their standard of health care and the U.S. standard. Okay. Now, a question for you. Um, This is kind of general questions is that um, I know most people today have to work really hard just to, you know, just just to break even. And uh, uh, we're kind of known in America almost as a bunch of nation of workaholics just to survive. But do do the Chinese, they have the same work uh, habits as we do? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's a bit different, though. Like, I would just say that's one thing. In a lot of ways, actually, America and China are similar. And, yeah, uh, that's, really are. you know, it's funny how people forget that because we love to focus on the differences. Uh, but they're absolutely hard workers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, just look at their educational system. To, to get into school, you have to pass the Gaokao. And the Gaokao is... Uh, their uh, nat- their their national examination system, which was it's kind of seems to be a descendant of the the old imperial imperial examination system, and so f- for them just to make it to college, they have to pass this rigorous test, and it's very 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 mm-hmm. difficult, and um, so so there's that, uh, but in terms of the the work culture, uh. You know, you you're more or less expected to do overtime if you, if you work in the private sector. Uh, you should be there late. You should be working hard. Um, so I mean, that's kind of similar. That's, uh, that's similar to East Asian culture in general, and that's common in Japan and Korea as well. And it's becoming more and more like that in China. Uh, they have this thing with like startups. It's called nine nine six, and it's because you should be in the office uh, from nine to nine six days a week. Oh. Yeah. So that's. But that's okay. For, all right. Well, that's so un-American. Uh, all right. Well, we just got to take a little break to keep okay. us uh, uh, legal, and uh, we would uh, like to chat a little more about uh, living in China and what we can learn from uh, your experience. You're listening to 106.1 FM WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio. Support for Portsmouth Community Radio and our clean windows are brought to you by Bright and Shiny Window Washing Specialists. Bright and Shiny Window Washing specializes in residential homes and services, restaurants, local stores, and salons. 207-439-6304. Serving Southern Maine and the Seacoast, New Hampshire. Keeping our windows clean here at Portsmouth Community Radio. Cycle the Seacoast and Exeter Power Yoga invite you to join them for their Bend and Brew event at Cisco Brewers Portsmouth on Saturday, February 9th at 2 p.m. This one-hour energetic power vinyasa flow class is suitable for all yoga levels. Your ticket includes a brew and the chance to win fun giveaways. Come learn more about the upcoming 10th annual Cycle the Seacoast. To register or for more information, search Cycle the Seacoast on Facebook. Ch-ch-ch-challenge. RPM Challenge 2019, February 1st through February 28th. All the musicians all over the planet will be recording 10 songs or 35 minutes worth of music. Check out rpmchallenge.com to be connected with all the musicians in your life, on your planet, in your universe. rpmchallenge.com, February 2019. RPM Ch-ch-ch-challenge. And we love you. Programming on Portsmouth Community Radio is provided by you, our member, and by the University of New Hampshire. Connect with UNH news and events by visiting unh.edu forward slash catch. Hi, I'm Stu Diaz, board member at WSCA and musician in the Portsmouth area. WSCA is a nonprofit radio station run entirely by volunteers, and we need your help. Whether it's volunteering at our Button Factory live shows or helping run other events, we are in need of volunteers to support the great community work that we do. For more information, email volunteer at wscafm.org. That's volunteer at wscafm.org. And you're listening to Portsmouth Community Radio 106.1 FM on your FM dial on the internet at www.wscafm.org. Download our new app. It's on iOS and Apple stores. Uh, We now return to the Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke, his awesome sidekick, Will Pierce, and in-studio guest, his son, all the way from Beijing, China, Mr. Will Dyke. 
Anyhow, yeah, so, Will, it's great to have you back. And by the way, I sent out an um, announcement last night about having my son on the show. His what I and I and I uh, made a uh, faux pas. I, his website should be, is www.willdyke.com. That's a ba- uh, blog you've had on. Right. Yeah. That's a yeah. That's a personal yeah, I look blog. Forward. Link didn't work. Maybe you could send it out again. Yes. Uh, the link worked. I was wondering, are you still working on short stories about a mysterious taxi driver? Uh, not as much. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, that <laughs> was homework. for fun. That was yeah, a passion project, can we say? Uh, yeah. right. Do they have something like Uber so that people will drive less? Like, I know you yeah. talked about people trying to reduce, and I know you use the electric scooter, but sometimes you got to get in a car and go somewhere. Uh, do they have that kind of a service? And is yeah. it Uber? It's called, well, Uber fought with the Chinese rival in China uh, for a couple years, and they finally merged with the Chinese company, which is Didi. Okay. So Didi, yeah, they they do exist. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's, I use it all the time. It's great. Yeah. So, so yeah, it sounds like they. You know, it's funny. It's, uh, talking to you, Will, is that it sounds like the Chinese actually have a lot of characteristics that we Americans do. I mean, they work hard. the nine nine six. That's right. that's kind of like we were. You know, like in the industrial revolution in the fifties. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. It's definitely not like the bohemian lifestyle that people have these days. I'll work three hours on Monday and maybe five hours on Thursday, and if I can make my nut, I don't have to work the rest of the time. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 changed. But uh, one of the things which well we looked at, uh, and uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, by the way, uh, right, is going to be on our show. Oh, it's she's a, a star. Yeah, she's a star. But anyhow, I've been communicating with. She's doing something right. She finished her quarterly report. She says. But we're going to have her on from um, Austin. Uh, no, not Amsterdam. Excuse me. We'll hopefully have her on a show uh, mm. in about a month or so. But a question to you is that, um, and she, and Catherine, and you've read over stuff. She sees a real rise in the Asian consumers. Where I see kind of, um, uh, you know, it's just a much bigger application in uh, uh, in China and in the in the Far East. What do you say about that, Will? What do you mean, application, Barry? Well, well, in other words, the level of affluence. You th- oh, you affluence, th- yeah. Yeah, so Catherine Rothenfitz says they're gonna, it's going to be kind of the grow, most growing uh, segments of the population mm. versus our middle class because most of these societies now are based upon consumption. You know, and heck, you know, there's just not as much consumption uh, in the U.S. I mean, it's well, the, yeah, the middle class is getting kind of hammered, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, so... Yeah, the I was reading her report and it was it's basically talking about how uh, the global economy is uh, the global middle class is increasing. Uh, it's getting larger, uh, and the 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 biggest place in the world where that's happening is in Asia. Yeah. So you can think of uh, China, obviously, yeah. but you can also think of uh, Southeastern Asia, which is a, a very interesting place right now, like Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines. Uh, and then also India. Um, and then it's, I mean, one other thing about that statistic is interesting because the American middle class is not, I mean, I think we're growing, but we're not the driver of that growth. The, the biggest driver of that growth is in Asia. And it's, I was just reading, uh, and I, I'm not sure about the numbers, but yeah, it's supposed to be a significant amount is going to come from Asia in the 21st century. Yes, that's why, like, when you see, you know, I was, one of the things I amazed when I was in Shanghai and in Beijing, I never saw so many Maseratis and Ferraris. And, right. And, uh, and it was very high-end cars. I mean, right. the only place you see that in the United States is maybe Southern California. Well, I think like, Beijing has the biggest amount of uh, billionaires in the world, something like that, yeah. It's concentrated yeah. power and wealth, yeah. And uh, so. during the communist era, I mean, everyone dressed the same. Right. So, so how— how have they adapted to having really rich people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's actually 100 billionaires now living in the Chinese capital compared mm. with 95 in New York. Exactly, right? So they beat New York yeah. on that. Um, but the, the, the question was, uh, how, how do Chinese people deal with really rich people? That's the really rich Chinese, the affluent. Yeah, like in, in Iran, um, it was a pretty poor country, and then the— this the oil, money, the oil money, right. And uh, yeah. it, it disrupted the whole society as far as, as I, w- I was told by Iranians. Sure, yeah. Was, uh, suddenly people get rich. The guy next door was mowing your lawn. Now he's <laughs> a millionaire. Yeah, there's, yeah, I, I think um, there's a lot of new money, basically. Uh, and do, there's do, a lot do, of people. Do, do, do people mind that? Or are they jealous? Or, or, they, or they all want to be like 
the, the billionaires? I think it's becoming more and more sophisticated and nuanced, like the way people look at it. In the 90s, it was kind of like, get your money and run, like just kind of go for it. And it was very, very uh, unregulated. And um, and it, to, Deng Xiaoping uh, said to, to get rich is glorious. And, and that was kind of the, the motto of, of a lot of Chinese. Um, but now I think that a lot of the country is so affluent people have higher needs you know maslow's hierarchy, hierarchy of needs, needs yeah. right they they a lot of people they don't think they don't they're not as concerned about money like if you look at beijingers like they all if you are a beijinger you're probably pretty well off because the thing is like what happened was the government bought your house and then you got another house and the real estate went up like an incredible amount over that period of time so just by being a Beijinger, uh, you became incredibly wealthy. And that's probably the same with Shanghai, Guangzhou, all those bit major cities. Um, so I think they're much more concerned about uh, how they use their money and like being sophisticated with their money and, and developing a sort of culture now. And that's I mean, that's really the interesting thing is you see because the, the money happens so fast, but now we're in this period of people are pretty okay. And um, I mean, certainly it can always be an improvement and Xi Jinping does, does have that initiative to raise uh, people out of poverty. Um, but they're very concerned about uh, developing their own culture and like and like like modifying that and, and bringing it into the 21st century. So like, um, does that does that answer your question? I mean, it's they don't sure. look yeah. they don't necessarily look down on people with a lot of money. There is, I mean, but but I think they're more concerned about um, how people use their money now. I think mm -hmm. it's much it's, it's becoming more sophisticated. So, so Chairman Chairman Mao told Chairman Mao told uh, Nixon that you know he, he that the Communist Party wasn't all that uh, powerful that he just had control over. Um, the province around Beijing, right? Is that uh, how much power does the uh, or CCP. influence does the Chinese Communist power, uh, Party have? Uh, they're very influential, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if Mao was being completely honest when he said that. I didn't know that's an interesting quote. Um, uh, yeah, Mao said that. Yeah, yeah, he told it to Nixon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're I mean, they're they're the government, and just like in the U.S., where D.C. is, you know, arguably the most powerful body. Um, the the CCP is uh, they are at the top and they and they sort of they're they're it's a centrally planned economy, so they're the ones making a lot of the big picture decisions, um, and yeah, I mean it's you know it, they're very very powerful yeah they're very. Um, what advice would you? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm probably well just for survival. What would be uh, your advice to say uh, young people such as yourself going over to China? Uh, what would be your word of advice? Because uh, it sounds like kind of a gauntlet over there, just surviving. <laughs> I mean, yeah. w w you know, w what would you see? Death by a thousand knew, cuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what would you suggest for people's success over there? Because yeah. you survived. How, how, right. And, and also, you 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 know Mandarin now too. Yes. How, how long did it take you to to learn Mandarin? Uh well, I can always get better. I think that's the the my Mandarin is is okay I mean um but it took me about a year two years to become competent you know able to to do my things uh so yeah and and with language learning obviously there's like a lot of different levels so I mean um it takes a long time <laughs> it takes a long time yeah it really and, and and a lot of people think they can go there and learn it in a couple months or it's yeah so um, it had, takes. Had yeah. you tried to learn before you went over, and it was easier to learn once you were immersed in the culture? I had taken a class down in Boston. Actually, I believe it's, it was like the John Hancock Tower down in, in, in I think States. Is it State Street? Is yeah, that the State Street it was, Tower? Is Clarendon Street maybe yeah. the Clarendon in on the, back the financial there. kind of district? Okay, well, down that, in Boston. Well, that may be in State Street. Yeah, yeah. that could have been in the financial district. So, anyways, yeah. but is I found a class down there, and they taught me numbers uh, and some basic like personal pronouns or something but yeah i didn't really have any any it i didn't know anything yeah really uh i had tried to take a course in university but 
and and I graduated from the University of New Hampshire, but um, their offerings for Chinese they're only they only have a few classes, and I can never enroll in them. So yeah, yeah, I I didn't really have any knowledge, so I had to I had to basically study a lot when I got there. Which was easier, books or actually conversing with people? Um. And did you have? And are they very forgiving of the Americans learning huh. their language? Because it's got to be difficult, and sure. they have to be sitting on this pedestal of right. we have the coolest and hardest language to yeah. learn. If you want to communicate here, they like to. Um, they like if you ask a uh, some people there, they, they they'll say, "Oh, Chinese is so hard. Don't feel so bad." Uh, which I feel like it's a bit of a cop out because yeah. you know it's a, it's a language, and you know you can learn it. It's you know it is hard, uh, but it's it's definitely I. I'm cautious about people saying, oh, you're, it's okay. Cause it's like, no, it, you can improve and get better. Um, so, but yeah, I think the best way to learn uh, is to have a practical application for the language. So it, in the beginning, maybe that's conversational just so you can order food because you need to eat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you also need to, my to father, bargain. My, my father had always said, uh, no matter where you go, learn how to say where the bathroom is. Because yeah, that might be the, the most bathroom. crucial Absolutely. thing besides food. <laughs> I learned, And I did learn that very early on. Yeah. yeah, and that's funny, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, Boston's a big sports town. What, what, right. what are the sports in, uh, what's, what's a sports fan? Interesting. In, yeah, in, the sports in, yeah, in, yeah. In, uh, in Beijing. Great question, Will. Soccer, actually, is, right, so, yeah, so... Okay, so it, there's a few different things. The sports are very interesting in China because it's it's obviously if you're growing in affluence, you have more time and you have you want to have more entertainment needs. Uh, so a lot of European clubs are are working in with Chinese clubs, and so there's uh, a, a big sort of uh, uh, what do you say um, an interest in soccer. So more and more people are playing soccer in China. Um, so that's kind of the new sport. Uh, and then also, but traditionally, they like ping pong and badminton and swimming. Uh, so sort of those types of sports that aren't as popular here. Uh, but they really like ping pong. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we were talking about Nixon. I think the ping pong delegation. Yeah. Yeah. They love ping pong. They love badminton. I don't get it as much. I don't like it that much. I think they like basketball too, right? They do love, yeah, that's a good point. They love, yeah, they yeah, they love the NBA. They love basketball. Actually, a lot of my friends lo- know more about the NBA than me. Absolutely, yeah. They say, they they know all the players and they I love mean, it. The Chinese guys you work with? Yeah, the, so the Chinese males around my age love basketball. They do, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, who, who said this? There's some Chinese, isn't some Chinese nationals uh, playing in the uh, NBA? I well, there was Yao Ming. Yao Ming, yeah. But then more recently, Jeremy Lin. Okay, and I actually I know the guy running his social media in Beijing, doing Jeremy Lin's social media, because uh, I believe he's gone back now. Uh, Is to, that to an China. anglicized name, like a made into an English name? Jeremy Lin. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. No, I, I think that's his real name. He might. He might be. I don't know if he's from the. Uh, he's born in Torrance, California, in 1980. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think. Is he Taiwanese or is he is he from Taiwan or? I will get there. Uh, Lin is the first American of Chinese or Taiwanese descent to play in the NBA. Huh. Okay. What about Yao Ming? Uh, He came over. He came over. Yao Ming was the big one. The first. The big one, but he was the first from China. Right. right? Yeah. So he's the first. Jeremy Lin was the first Chinese American. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Are they? uh, Do they watch football at all? I don't think they like it as much. Uh, no, I, it's football's a hard one for people to to get into if they didn't grow up in America. It's pretty complicated. Yeah, it's kind of complicated. I love it because it, it is very strategic. Like, so if you know the game, it's very chess like. Yeah, would it's say. very football chess. Football is probably the closest yeah. thing to live action chess. Yeah. So, so, but yeah, I think for if you're not American, it's kind of you just go to basketball or soccer because it's easier. So so is it exciting living there? I mean, because it, it is a big metropolitan city. I mean, world-class city is a, is a great place for entertainment or the arts or uh, what do you say, Will? Right. It is very exciting. I did want to answer your question, though, that you had uh, about tips for people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I never really got to formally answer. I would, I would just say for a lot of the maybe – if the young, if there's any younger people listening to this, uh, just learn. Put in the time when you're in school 
because learning Mandarin takes so long, use your time in school to study it and in university. Uh, that's a really smart thing to do because if you build a base of the language and you really focus on that, uh, you'll be at such an advantage when you actually go there. Um, so I, I would advise that study study Mandarin, uh, read about China, start early because it's, it's a place where you really need a long investment of time to do anything worthwhile. But the Chinese, they get it. I mean, uh, we, we're... Um because they they put so much focus on learning English as because it's the world absolutely and that's what you have to think about it's like how do you expect to go to China and and be and and be successful in China and, and it is a massive market and it is very important how do you expect to do that if you didn't put a comparable amount of time into learning their language that they did of yours how do you expect that to work out for you you know yeah yeah because I I just think it's kind of an example I don't know and. I used to know Italian and French and so forth, but uh, uh, lots of times, I mean, so you really right. can't, we really have to come over the American arrogance of languages because if, you know, you go to Europe, some people can speak French, German, Italian, uh, English, okay. How often do you run into that in the U.S.? Very rarely. I right, mean, yeah. I mean, I think there's been, there's kind of in America, there is that kind of, there's the tendency to be, I mean, just in general, inward, inward looking. Like we look inward, we don't look outward. That's very, that's normal. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I think that's safe to say. Well, there's a, a lot of different dialects in China. Can they understand yeah, each other? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so th- th- there's there's a lot of different dialects. Uh, an interesting thing about the language is there's they're supposed to speak Putonghua, which is like uh, standard, so standard dialect. So if you if you're speaking with someone who went to university, they should know Putonghua. Um, but there's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different, and, and not everyone is ethnically Chinese too. So, I mean, that's another important thing to remember. It's like, uh, you know, you have many different minorities, and but the, the, the main ruling class is the Han. So uh, that, that's the Han Chinese. Um, and so they, they would speak a standard, more like Northern dialect, like the Northern uh accent is preferred yeah so but there's many different dialects like if you were in and because it all has to do with like communication i feel because in america we we had cable television so i feel like a lot of us speak more or less similarly obviously there's differences but the midwestern accent right they china didn't have that right they they weren't so connected by uh, a television system or or you know so so they kind of have more deeply entrenched pockets of language so are they now on their cell phones all the time like we are? Yeah. Well, so they, lo- yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, more so <laughs> actually. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think more so. Uh, if you, if you look at um, ch- uh, the Chinese use of technology, uh, it is. They're ahead of us. Mike. It's mobile first. I mean, it's leapfrog. So what they did is they skipped PC and they went right to mobile. And are they more likely to uh, <clears throat> like form a cooperative group? Like we're, we're a nation of individuals, mm. and uh, if you want to get something done and get people motivated to do it, it right. it's not that easy. But uh, are they more uh, group oriented, or yeah, th- yeah? Because one of the things I've, I think I learned this from you, whatever the the Chinese seem to be more. I don't know. We seem to be as Americans, we seem to be more like entrepreneurial and really original thinkers, whereas the Chinese seem to be. <laughs> More we like do like to describe g- ourselves as that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's even more ironic yeah. is that China is number one in internet users. Uh, 53.20% of their uh, population uses technology and the internet. What's in the U.S.? Uh, the U.S. Yeah. is number three. Uh, for mobile mobile uh, users? It says for internet users. For, for uh, numbers or, or percentage? Uh, China has 746 million internet users. U.S. has 245 million uh, internet users. But it's larger because we're a, a smaller country. Uh, 76.18% in the U.S. use So the who, who else is China? Uh, India is number two. Brazil is number four. Japan's number five. Russia, Mexico, Germany, Indonesia, and Pakistan. Yeah, so... Uh, Which is tied with the UK. Pakistan and UK are tied. And actually, we don't even have the best. How's the internet over there? Speaking of which, I mean, <laughs> yeah. How's your how's your Wi-Fi over there? Yeah, Am I going to be able to connect pretty yeah. uh, pretty easily? Or? If you're using Chinese stuff, it's good. 
Uh, oh, yeah. right on. So, yeah, uh, so what's the one thing you miss when you're over there, and what's the one thing that you miss when you're over here? Um, yeah, I guess uh, family and friends is is tough to be away from. Uh, so that that's it's not like a cheeseburger down at Pocos yeah, or something yeah. like that, right? <laughs> yeah, the food. Uh, yeah, that's a big. But I like Chinese food, and and I was lucky that. Uh, when I was growing up, my, my mom was a pretty adventurous cook. Yeah, right? very, very adventurous I mean, cook. Yeah, yeah, she was. Your mother was, yeah. So. Is it the same thing that we get in the Chinese restaurants here? No. No way. No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. I went to Jimmy yeah. Chin's house once. He's a yeah. restaurateur guy up in Maine. And his wife made food that I had never tasted before and still haven't. Homemade Chinese food is so different than the Americanized right. stuff they serve to us. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit oily, um, yeah, Chinese food. Oily, yeah. yeah, so that's... But a lot of, I mean, I think there's a lot of good stuff, but you just have to be adventurous. Yeah. So. Which yeah. would amaze me that, remember when I visited you, Will, we went to, I mean, there was American restaurants, French restaurants, Thai food, yeah. Indian food. That's why I like and, Beijing. And yeah. it's, it, was, it was like New York. It was just incredible. I mean, you could, yeah. you could eat. Uh, it's, it's a different uh, cuisine every meal. Yeah, huh? not it, a lot of Greek restaurants though. No, no oh, Greek. Yeah, Isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, they haven't come down into New England. I know right. the Greeks, but uh, that's funny. No Greek, but they, just about anything you could think about. Um, I don't know how many times we. Yeah, it's more to- expensive though. Obviously, yeah. If you're living that lifestyle, so. But yeah, I mean, you can get it, but it's still like it's not the quality you would get here. And, and by the way, food quality is a massive issue in China. Yeah, but I remember one of the best Thai restaurants I ever had. You and I, it was in Shanghai. Right. Yeah. I remember it's one of the best Thai restaurants I ever had. Their uh, Asian their Asian food is re- like so, because Thai, Thailand's closer to, to China than the U.S., so you're going to get better Thai food there. You're going to get better Vietnamese. You're going to get better Indian. Uh, actually, I don't really like the Indian. I haven't yeah. found any good oh, Indian yeah, places yeah, you said, Okay, so yeah. it's, it's very interesting. Um um, so we're, we're coming, so, uh, we're coming to the end. So, so what do you, what's your advice to uh, young people going out there or to anyone really, uh, if, if they, if they want to do business with China, cause we're going to be doing business with them for the next century. You know I mean? It's, Should right. they call you? Yeah. You know. Should they call me? Yeah. yeah. You can so, call me. Uh, see yeah. See the show notes. And also, yeah, go on to, uh, your, your, uh, <laughs> uh, WeChat, whatever, but, uh, yes, what's that? Uh, we, WeChat. Oh, okay. That's how I'm communicating yeah, yeah. with my but which is which yeah, is kind of like Snapchatty my... kind of Skype thing. It's I'm like, so out of it's, touch. But... It's like Facebook without uh... all the political candor. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> wow, I think I might sign up for that. Like today. if the Facebook was controlled by the government, but no, <laughs> the, right on. Yeah, it's like an everything app. WeChat, and you can do payments. Uh, you can do messaging. You can do discovery. Uh, so there's a lot. It's it's like basically the best app you could ever have on your phone. It sounds like they're a lot more advanced in, in this area. In a lot are. of ways, yeah. 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 Can, can you trust the banks there? Do they have the... Uh, <laughs> How about you trust uh, the banks close anywhere? the show with a huge <laughs> open-ended question, <laughs> Will Pierce? That's great. I know. We only have a couple yeah. minutes. Yeah, and also, too, and I, uh, I'm proud of you, son, so keep it the right right thing. Maybe you'll like, be like a little bit like the old man. But uh, uh, your website is uh, com, and I put williamdyke.com by mistake. Right. Faux pas on my part, but it's willdyke.com. I think Will Dyke is shorter and snappier. Yeah, two yeah, syllables. Yeah. You know, so uh, keep doing that and just keep, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, you're doing a great job now. You're editor now, right? Uh, yeah, I'm a supervising editor. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. So do you work with is mostly Chinese or is it mostly? Is uh, it? I on my team we have uh, mostly Chinese, but there's also three or four uh, foreigners. Okay. Uh, one is a guy from Oklahoma. Um, another is a is a gal from South Africa, uh, as well as another uh, guy who kind of works with us sometimes. He's from uh, Louisiana, so okay. it's been, been interesting getting to know. Everyone. So it's good. So you really get to, you know, one of the things I noticed about living in Europe, uh, you get to know a lot of other cultures just yeah. by being a, an expat, if you will. So, uh, mm. well, William, I'm very proud of you. I'm your old man, but I'm very proud of you. Uh, if you want to check out my son's blog, go to willdyke.com. And, or connect um, with me on LinkedIn. Co- connect yeah. on LinkedIn, okay? They, they let you go. I like LinkedIn, yeah. You like it, LinkedIn? LinkedIn's big in China. Is yeah. LinkedIn big in China? For foreigners. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, well there's My a separate like Chinese site for so or it's a LinkedIn, but anyway, yeah. so 
Microsoft, what do they spend, like $26 billion or something like that for LinkedIn? I never LinkedIn. use it. But in any event. I think it was smart. I don't know. I think it's a really good site. But uh, uh, anyhow, my name is Barry James Dyke. You're listening to WSCA in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And if you want to find out more about me, go to barryjamesdyke.com. And we'll do it again next week. And uh, thanks so much, son, for coming by. For thanks for having me. And keep pushing back the frontiers of ignorance. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke. Broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio. Engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at barryjamesdyke.com. Who are the wolves?